There's one lesson, Pittsburgh, and one lesson alone to be called from that Super Bowl last night. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Rams 23, Bengals 20. I don't need to summarize the game. You watched it because the whole world watched it. That's how this sort of thing goes. But if I had to condense this to one point of relevance for the local franchise, I would say this. Remember what's the cart and what's the horse in the equation. The Bengals got what everyone in Pittsburgh wants. And that's the megastar number one quarterback. And Joe Burrow is all that. He remains all that. He's going to be all that. But the Bengals didn't, in turn, give him an offensive line. They got his knee blown out as a rookie. They might have gotten his knee blown out last night, the way he went down on that one play. And nothing of significance is going to change for Cincinnati until they address that. The fact of the matter is, Burrow was sacked nine times in an earlier playoff victory. That never should have ended with a favorable result. It's crazy that it did. We should never have been talking about the Bengals making it as far as they did. It's to his credit, to the credit of some skill players on offense, and of course, a better-than-expected defense. But you've heard me say it for a year straight related to the Steelers, and it applies universally. You can't hide a lousy offensive line. You can't disguise it. You can't apply wallpaper to it. It's there. Everyone knows it's there. And everyone you're facing is going to find a way to beat it. The Rams' seven sacks were a Super Bowl record. The Rams sacked Burrow five times on 12 dropbacks in the third quarter whenever the game started to turn. Based on what facet? Oh, right, that the Bengals couldn't block anybody. And, of course, you know, the counter to that, that the Rams are really, really good at the pass rush. One dude in particular, Aaron Donald, is really, really good at it. I think we kind of knew where we was going. I think we were playing good football. We just had to find a way to, you know, um, you know, continue to pick pressure on the quarterback, make plays, and I think we did that, man. Guys bowed up when we needed to, and we found a way to, you know, affect the game and find a way to win. So, But here's the number that just floored me. It's from ESPN Stats and Info. And it said that the Bengals' pass block win rate, stay with me on this, was 18%, which was the lowest such figure in any NFL game played all season long. Yes, including the regular season. Yes, including all those rotten performances 
you saw from the Steelers' offensive line. Pass, block, win, rate. It's exactly what it sounds like. Evaluators watch the film, in this case, obviously, in real time for ESPN to produce the stats so quickly, and they determine, did that pass blocker win his battle on that play? And from there, it gets extrapolated across the line, and you have your percentage. Now, conversely, here again, the Rams, 82% pass rush win rate was the best any team had in any game all season long. Wow. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. One of these days, the Steelers are going to have their quarterback. But it might not be in 2022. And I would really hope that there's some acceptance in that area, publicly, but way more important, on the inside. They can't get impatient about this. They can't make, oh, let me get hypothetical on you here, some kind of move where they trade up like, I don't know, 10 spots to get Kenny Pickett, and everyone goes, yeah, this is great, and they put all this draft capital in. And the intangible component of pretty much announcing that this is the next franchise quarterback, only to pull the plug on him in a year or two. Because his, I don't know, his hands are too small or whatever. It's hypothetical. But you can't do that. You can't anoint a franchise quarterback. You can't just declare that someone is the franchise quarterback. You know who did that, by the way? Once upon a time, the Bengals with Andy Dalton. There was nothing special about Andy Dalton at any phase of his career. In southwestern Ohio, the only thing Andy did that had him described by anybody anywhere as a franchise quarterback was to get paid. They paid him like a franchise quarterback because they wanted so badly to have one that here's one way. Let's just pay him whatever those guys get. Okay, cool. Can't do it. Can't do it. If there isn't a quarterback of that caliber to be had in 2022, and by every account in this draft class there isn't, then go ahead and address the thing that you can address. That's the offensive line. That's got to get taken care of anyway. It's five different positions. Figure out who you trust, who you don't trust, who's already here. Be real about it and go out and get them. Because you know what? As Joe Burrow proved, as the Bengals proved, in the most painful possible way, at least for people in Cincinnati, you're going to need them at some point, one way or the other. Might as well go get them now. When we come back, just one question. 
Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. And this law firm has been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them at lgkg.com. And today's J1Q comes from Greg Wilkinson, who asks, My question is, now that the emotion has started to clear around Ben Roethlisberger's retirement, how would you rate him all time? Does he get into your, your top 20, your top 10? And part of the reason... For my asking is that I'd like to hear how you think about the greatest. Is it an evaluation of the full body of work? Is it the quarterback you'd like to have in the last five minutes of a playoff game? Do you judge them based on when they were at their best for a few seasons? Ignore all the rest. Bill James described career value versus peak value for baseball players. How do you think about it? Greg, uh, I think anytime you're comparing between eras, which is what you're inevitably doing when you say of all time. That's really dicey stuff. And in a sport like football, where more than any other in North America, the positional priorities have shifted, it's really, really hard. And I could give you, you know, arcane examples of a, you know, a wing T halfback from you know, 70 years ago or something, but you don't have to do that. Not with the way football has changed right in front of our eyes over the last 20 years. Put it this way, up until, let's say, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, when you would ask who's the greatest football player of all time, a lot of people, not universally, but a lot would just snap their finger and say Jim Brown, you know? Uh, I never saw Brown play, obviously, but I was in that group. I would say Jim Brown. Um, there were great offensive players, great defensive players over the year. There was even, before the Brown era, a truly great quarterback in Johnny Unitas. But what really changed there? Was it the quality of the players? Was it the caliber of the overall field? Or was it the positions? To me, again, more in football than anything else, it's the positions. We don't value the running back the way we used to. Heck, even after Najee Harris started running all over everybody, this past season you had people questioning taking a running back in the first round. That's now a pretty much common thought that you don't do it. It's all about passing, passing, passing. That's why we have all these wide receivers going in the first, second, third round. Uh, one, because teams need so many of them because you got to load up with four or five to have a competent offense. And two, because there are so many of them because colleges are producing them like crazy because everybody wants to be a wide receiver because there are lots of jobs. And at the end of the day, when it's time to pick the MVP, it really is comes down to the MVQB. There were 
quite a few suspenseful moments at the NFL Honors Program last Thursday. MVP wasn't one of them. Everyone knew it was Aaron Rodgers. There weren't really even other players in the discussion, including the Defensive Player of the Year. No one could take seriously the idea that the guy who just tied the NFL's sacks record and was, if you saw his vote totals, a runaway winner for DPOY, could possibly be the league's most valuable player. Why? Because of positional priority. I'm not ducking your question here. I'm trying to give it the proper framework here. It's really hard to do. Even spanning the quarterback position alone, if you were to say, where does Ben rank among the most talented or accomplished quarterbacks of all time, it's easier to have the debate. It's still no fun. And it's still not as simple as saying, well, he's fifth all time in yards, therefore he's fifth. No, that's that's not right. Johnny Unitas was throwing footballs at a time when not a lot of others were doing it. Throwing deep downfield. There were guys who came after Unitas that were still considered pioneers in that regard. Dan Fouts, Warren Moon. Then the short game came into vogue. That was the domain of Joe Montana and others. It's changed. Even that position has changed. I would like to think, I'm going to try to actually give you an answer this time, okay? <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm like, come on, dude, get to it. I'd like to think that Ben belongs in the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. I believe that Ben carved a niche for himself as a big guy who could scramble and have people bounce off him and slide off him and Within that, that he could extend plays at a historic level, but also in his own style. So he has that going for him, too. I'd like to see Ben as a top 10 quarterback. Players, though, wow, that's that's tough. Uh, I'm going to punt. And I'm not going to punt like, like Presley Harvin. Like I'm going to punt like Ray Guy to drop another old reference on you here. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we will do another one tomorrow.